Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk about how to have the GMO talk with your neighbors. And we're also going to look at some manure recommendations coming out of Minnesota. We're going to take a look at how many farms are left here in the United States after some rough years in the economy. We're going to talk about what you applied. And we've got a couple other segments we'll introduce later in the show, so... Let's get started. With me, as always, is Bill Schomburg. Hey, guys. Todd Schomburg. Hey, Matt. Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So, how was your weekend, guys? Enjoying our lovely uh, snowfall and everything that we had? More snow, more snow. Always snow, it seems. Yeah, that one to three turned into three real fast. I don't think we got any less than that. I believe the... The, they said on the news, three and some change. <laughs> three change. and some change, yeah. <laughs> there was more change. It felt like six. Yeah. How was How the was Packer it? game, Matt? Good. Yeah, I went to see the the Packers and the Panthers and had uh, had some pretty good seats. The halftime show was was pretty impressive. Uh, there were some guys jumping out of a C-130. Sweet. In, in the wind and snow, and snow. At night, in the dark. And uh, most of them found their way in. One guy didn't quite make it into Lambeau, but... Uh, we had one face plant right in front of us, so the guy behind him had to uh, correct and ended up eating the the wall on the side of the end zone. So some some lucky fans got a parachute in their face as they saw him land. Obviously, the jumpers were okay, so, huh? It's a new yep. Lambo leap. Everybody, new, everybody made it, yeah. The reverse, the reverse a, Lambo leap, you hit the wall instead of... That's a pretty big Lambo leap going from, yeah, from the sky to the field. That is cool. Yeah, yeah, thanks to all the veterans. That's cool they did that for... For Veterans Day to support them. Yep, yeah, the salute to service game. So, yeah, it was So I have to ask, good. cold weather game, does that mean you put, like, warm brats under your arms to stay warm and drank melted cheese the whole time, or is that how that works? Well, the seats at Lambeau aren't exactly uh, what you would call roomy. So when everybody's got an extra inch of clothing on because it's cold, you, a lot of body heat gets shared. You and 80,000 of your not. closest friends? Yeah. Yeah, there was uh, seventy eight thousand some odd was what they said was in the stadium that night. So that is one benefit of going early in the season is you can actually have your seat. You know, your your physical area of your seat is available. Yep. Versus going in November and December where there's no chance you're getting that whole seat. But November, December, January, nothing like it. Oh, it's no. not but even close. Yeah. Not even close. And I'll take that. Remember your Favre game, Bill, where you were at, where yeah. it was raining? Raining, that it was raining. That was the worst. Like that was the bears. Like we were supposed to, we got a card. We were supposed to raise at halftime to, so everybody could see it from down below or from above or whatever. It said, like, thank you, Brett, or something. And, like. Well, that was the Thanksgiving game, right? Yeah. yeah. Nobody yeah. did it because they just all, like, disintegrated. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible. I mean, obviously a good intention, but just didn't work. How was your drive home, Matt? I was coming home from Chicago, and it was terrible. Yeah, no, the roads were not great. Um, we we ducked out right at the end. and You did uh, the ale? Always leave early, yeah. Always leave early, yeah. Uh No, we, we ended up getting out of the stadium when the game ended. We So we were still in there. They have TVs and stuff. But, yeah, we uh, I knew the roads were potentially going to be bad. Inside the stadium, you know, it started probably, like, close to halftime when it was snowing. Didn't seem as bad inside because it, it really didn't look like it was accumulating. And I got outside like, oh, crap. Yeah. These roads are going to suck. Yeah, we got to like, I don't know, Germantown, uh, you know, somewhere just north of Milwaukee. And then that's where it started to pick up. And by the time we got to Manitowoc, 
there was like three cars in the ditch. Yeah, no, when and we, on the way back, we got in a line of traffic going 25 miles an hour down a 55 mile an hour highway. So it was. From listening on the radio, Todd, you would have thought that you were at the game that you were at with the uh, Seahawks. The oh, that Seahawks, I mean, yeah. Larry was just like, it just, it's a blizzard out. I mean, he just like. No, that game, remember how much it accumulated on the field? Yeah. It actually, it actually did look pretty good on TV. Like, it looked it, like it, it was snowing cool. really hard. Yeah. In the lights, they showed it. It was cool. Yeah, Larry just kept like saying how bad it was snowing. So yeah, I just thought, like, oh crap, what am I driving into here yeah. as we get closer to Green Bay? It's funny because sitting, um, I was fortunate to have tickets pretty close to the field, and from that angle, it didn't look like it was accumulating very much. And then later, when I went home and watched some of the highlights, <laughs> it's like, oh, that field looked really white. <laughs> But yeah, it, you, you really couldn't tell from when where it was sitting. They have heat coils under the field at Lambeau now. Oh yeah. So yeah. when it hits yep. the ground, I mean, it's, it's, the ground never freezes there, so it doesn't. It's never going to accumulate as much as you think, just because right. it's warm. Unless it's really giving her. It has to like really snow and be really cold on top. Yeah. I think. Yeah. No. It was. It was a good game though. It was fun to be there. It was my wife's first Packer game, so she got was to it really? enjoy. Oh. Yeah. Freezing butt off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good one to take her. Don't you know? Don't take her in September, Matt. Take her in. <laughs> Although uh, you did, you did get her hopes up. I mean, she went and they won. That's not really a good start. <laughs> you got to start everybody off. You know, they're gonna go. They're gonna lose by forty, and you, you know, that's the that's the way to start. That's yeah. how I started. We lost sixty-five to three to the Seahawks during the preseason. That well, was my first game. That was the uh, we we're debating the ale. It was all right if they're getting their butts kicked, yep. or it's like really really freezing cold and we can't stand it. Yep. We'll get out of here. But it was. I didn't think it was that bad. My wife would disagree, but it was uh, it was a good game. So, like everything else, if your feet stay warm, it's a lot it's better, better, right? Yeah, that's like ninety nine percent of the battle. Everything else works itself out. The feet on the cold cement is the problem. Yep. Yeah, we had some guys in our section with some styrofoam. They were. Did you, yeah. Did they take the? I told you about that. Yeah. Yep. They they bring styrofoam for the seat and the feet. And the feet. Yeah, it was both. Like two. Like, what do you need that much styrofoam for? And then yeah, they put it on both, and then you just walk out and leave it. I will say though that I would probably prefer your game, Matt, where it was cold and snowy, versus like thirty-eight and rain or forty-two and rain. That Favre game that was miserable. You're just wet and you can't get unwet. No, it really was the perfect Lambo experience because it the game started out it was it was cool but not like freezing, and then the snow kind of started moving in and it was kind of cool and then all of a sudden by the end it's like yep it's just coming down, it's getting heavier, so it was it was cool to see. For anybody who's going to listen to this who does not live in Wisconsin or North, if you you know where it doesn't get that cold, uh, the styrofoam is your insulation and is a hundred percent the best thing you can bring to a Packer game in the cold yeah. weather it saves your life yep we had we were sitting on blankets and my wife had a blanket to cover up with too because we knew it was gonna be cold so always a good idea and and they let you bring it in too so lots of blaze orange not as much not yet it's usually uh, a, it's usually yeah, after yeah. opening weekend yeah. that it really no. gets out of hand here and there but yeah after bye week we well, don't you don't really want to bring your blaze orange into the stadium because we still have to hunt yet you know you don't want to get it all you scented know, it's, up it's michigan's hunting <laughs> season starts this weekend not ours yet so yeah yep so all the Youpers next week will have theirs on. That'll be perfect. Oh, yeah. You betcha. All right. Well, let's get cracking on our topic for today. So today we're going to talk about having the GMO talk. And I thought a good way to start with that 
would be just to state what actually are GMOs, because there's a lot of confusion on what what kind of plants and stuff are available with genetic modification. So uh, apple, potato, field corn, canola, alfalfa, soybean, rainbow papaya, cotton, sugar beet, sweet corn, and summer squash are the only plants that are available with GMO traits. So no tomatoes, no wheat. That's a lot of stuff. But at the same point, if you look at the... uh Advertising on TV or the radio, you'd think uh, like everything was had a GMO to it. Yeah, I think that's the you know that GMO free label or whatever that that they put on. It's like some of that stuff I laugh in the store because like well, there is no GMO that could be in this. Like it's already non-GMO, right? right. Yeah. It's inherently non-GMO. So it's frustrating when all the labels are talking about what's not in it anymore. <laughs> like we don't have this and we don't have this in it, and they act like that's such a good thing and. Maybe we got to start talking about what is in it and how good that it could be and and how good it is. Matt, we didn't see tomato on that list. That's not a GMO. Nope, there are no commercially right. available GMO it's tomatoes. Maybe one that's kind of misconstrued. I think there's other ones too where people think there'd be a GMO of that, and there's not. I think there are some people that think everything is GMO, like no matter what field crop or or vegetable, it, it has the potential. And what's funny is there's about six of these that were in the 1990s, so they've been. Uh, for 20 time. years, we've had GMOs, and then um, the rest of them, a couple of early 2000s, the most recent ones are the potato and the apple within the last five years. So, um, you know, it's a lot of these have been around for a long time, and we haven't seen any issues come out of them that we know of. Um, they're tested beforehand, obviously, so... It's neat to see some of these later GMOs are getting more user traits, so, um, like the apple, the non-browning thing, yep. that corns, obviously, a lot of those traits are benefited to the farmer um, by being insect-resistant or herbicide-resistant. Do you think that that will um, have more public, um, you know, the public will be more appreciative that, of that or look think, towards that? But I'm not sure it is. I know uh, McDonald's was looking at putting their apples, these non-browning, because right now they add acetic acid. In that little packet you yep. get in the Happy Meal, yep. And my wife I, it, always puts lemon juice in the kids. If same, she's in yeah, yeah, same thing, you know. And so I think now there's a GMO that could do that, and I'm not sure if that got on the label. I don't know what parents would say about that. I don't know if you guys saw the article I um, sent out last night, but uh, I was reading. Actually, just happened to read something last night. An article out of National Geographic about GMOs and and the potential that um, scientists see moving forward of you know, allergen-free peanuts, allergen-free wheat, these things that we could modify genetically, not necessarily adding things to but maybe taking away that would benefit people and allow more people to experience foods that they've never been able to eat before without blowing up like a balloon. And that's huge, right? I mean, that opens up markets for businesses to be able to sell more product and and people be able to buy those and think about all the times like at school where you can't send something because there's just, peanuts now there's they a can't student in class peanuts yeah you know just i as a parent i i worry about that i don't want you know our family sending something to school and and someone else being negatively affected by it and you know the schools are good about telling you that but um it seems like some years they don't care though and some years it's like yeah don't send that so maybe it's the level of peanut allergy too but 
it's tough. I know I had looked up a few years ago. I remember reading an article that I can't believe it. Not, it's not butter was going to embrace the opposite of non-GMOs. Like, yep, we use GMOs and we're proud. Um, so I, when we were talking about doing this episode, I would look back and to see if that was still their stance. And um, it has changed a little bit. So when I looked so up... So they were going like, we're all in on the GMO. On. Right. Like, like full, like, full bore. Like, full GMO. Yeah, GMO. Like, yeah. Um, like, yeah, like not, not, not the circle with the cross out of GMO, like just the circle with... Yep. Yes, we have it. And... Uh, so now Unilever, so that's the brand that owns, I can't believe it's not bothered, and a, a number of other things, um, they actually look at providing both now. So they have a GMO-free option, but they still have products with GMO. And I think that's probably the, the right tack to take, I think, for most, instead of just, I, no, bad GMO, like, just I, offer it to, you know, both versions. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with all the non-GMO things, but I think as a company it's foolish to not, have a non-GMO option. That's so big right now. That's no, yeah. it's like having a gluten-free option too. I I don't necessarily know that that many people are truly gluten-free, but I, as a as a business, I wouldn't want to not have the option. That's a lot of money that you can miss out on. The hardest part, I think, guys, with the GMO thing is just the miseducation and what people, you know, they don't even know what GMO stands for. Or they don't even know how it's made or what it's done. I mean, obviously, Jimmy Kimmel does all that stuff that you watch, and you know, it feels like he handpicks those people that just don't know what they're talking about. But it, some of it, just to me, is frustrating because people just don't understand. And I get it; it it's, can be scary, and you're worried about what it's going to ca- cause to you if you eat a, a genetically modified some whatever that is—corn, soybeans, whatever. But um, in the end, you know, we're doing this for a reason to you know, be able to produce more crops and more efficient crops, more, um, low costing, you know, everyone wants low cost food, right? You know, as soon as your grocery bill goes up, you're upset or your lunch at school. So with the advent of these, you know, genetically modified crops, obviously the cost of production can be lessened and that's going to, in the end, benefit all those people too i think as farmers we need to do a better job of explaining the positive side of the story look at how much less pesticides we're using um look at what even herbicides we use quite a bit less of herbicides and insecticides both because of having gmo crops um and that side has got to get told and once they kind of hopefully hear that they don't want pesticides on their food either so um it's a hopefully a good trade-off that that the consumer could could decide what's right for them. I know I'd rather have the the plant taste bad to the bug so that we don't even have to worry about it than have to spray pesticides. So I mean, it makes sense and and it's a good thing in that way. Like you said, Todd. So So I had a conversation or was lucky enough to have a conversation this weekend with someone who did know the first thing about agriculture but asked me about GMOs cuz that's 90% of the time that people who don't know about agriculture that's the first thing they ask me. Any the first question he said was so what chemical do you put in the corn to make it a GMO? And I, I was like, you probably had dumbfounded. Like, yeah, like what, what? What? I didn't understand. I didn't understand the question. I was like, what do you mean? What what chemical? He goes, well, how do you, how do you make a G? How do you make it a GMO? Like what chemical compound is it that you put in it? Science. And I was like, well, it, it's actually not. There's no. There's no real chemical. It's more of a selective breeding and things like that. And he, he was like shocked. Well, and like, 
Bt would be the chemical, say, but that's that's a an gene. Or, that's I an mean, organic. You know, they're taking genes from that, and it's an organic inserting them in um, pesticide, basically, and then inserting it in. So, yeah, that that's hard to explain. You're right, Max. But it, where, where do you start? But people have no people understand that when they take a they want a cockapoo for a dog, it's a cocker spaniel and a poodle mixed. But they can't understand why we would take two corn plants that have different strengths and put them together to make a not a super corn plant because that's a scary word but a more effective but plant. it's a franken food max they're, right they're in that they're just pumping electricity through it and frying it together with your little with your little franken demon dog <laughs> don't tell them about the gene gun though then yeah the gene gun the yeah gene gun. have Legit. you ever used the gene gun i have not have you ever used the gene gun i have not have you no i've no. not seen the gene gun i've though. seen it yeah you seen it todd have you used it max yeah we had we oh, used, yeah? we used one um I don't know if it's it's probably wasn't the uh, university grade gene gun, but my, in, when I was in college in a biology class, we were doing um, gene testing and stuff like that. Yeah, and we used a gene gun. Sweet. And it, it, there, it's, what caliber? It's nothing. Yeah, <laughs> it was an AR gene gun actually. Yeah. Ooh, rapid, ooh. rapid fire extended gene, clip. A bump stock gene bump gun. Stock. No, but it's not. It's literally just like a. A eyedropper on steroids, like yeah. it's not yeah. syringe. <laughs> it's like a palpator. Yeah, yeah. no, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. The other thing, guys, that that I just saw the end of it when I started in my career, and you guys probably didn't, was the the pesticides we were using, the, the insecticide, especially that we were using before the advent of BT corn. I mean, I remember uh, when I was at my co-op days, like right around two thousand, uh, we were. You know, BT corn, rootworm corn really wasn't a big deal yet. And so we were spraying Fyrodan on um, on corn to kill rootworm, the worms. You know, not we didn't care about the beetles in the fall. It was this corn was lodging and there was rootworms hatching. And and I was, we were spraying probably waist high corn. And it was Fyrodan we were using. And, and they're like, yeah, we got to spray this. It sucks. You know, it's bad for the sprayer guy, you know, and I had to gear up with everything, mask, face mask, goggles, the suit and everything when we, when we mixed it. So those are some other things you talk about these, um, uh, lawsuits with Monsanto now with people running into, running into wall, um, roundup, you know, just think about the pesticides that we used 30 years ago before genetically modified things that, you know, the, the workers had to, had to deal with. So, um, all all those guys that sprayed and did all that, you know, they're that's healthier for them too as well. So, so this conversation I got to have this weekend, I also, you know, going forward, we talked about some other things, and I had to explain that those big white piles with tires on them, that that was food and not manure. This is uh, a to a twenty five year old like college educated person, like I I was shot, like it was crazy that that's not like a known thing, but it's not. And I as an industry we need to realize that people don't need to buy our product anymore. There's other products out there. 20 years ago, there was this is you got what you got. But now there's options. The nobody or very few people are truly hungry because they don't have the option. It's maybe they can't afford it or whatever, but now there's options. So we need to mark we need to market ourselves again like we haven't had to do for a, a long time. Yeah, Matt, let's talk about how do you have that conversation? You know, what's what what do you think the first steps are and and how you do it? Well, I think um like Max was kind of saying there, we want to make sure you're promoting your um say brand 
you know, promoting yourself and not just just disparaging others because that that's not a good road to go down. If you're you want to talk to people and say, hey, look, this is what I do. This is why I do it. Um, you know, we talked about some of the ways of the genetic modification, bringing in genes from other things, um, using viruses to introduce genes to plants, like they're going to do with soybeans here for white mold um, that's in the in the pipeline. So um, just talk about the positives, you know, less, less chemical, more um, that the plant can do on its own. And the fact that, you know, there have been studies, like I said, 20 years ago, even more than 20 years ago, now we've had these Roundup Ready and all these other things, and I haven't seen a st- conclusive study that says there's anything wrong with that, that eating foods that come from that, that, you know, the cows eat it, then they provide the milk. We haven't seen a, this major issue in the pipeline of, hey, this is bad for you. It's it's actually led to, like we talked about, less use of pesticides um, and insecticides. And that's a big hot button right now, the insecticides, especially with neonics and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think that's the first place you want to start is just not talk negatively about the other people in, in the market, but talk positively about what you're doing. I always struggle, too, with how um, ba- uh, basic or elementary you have to be. Like, Max, you were talking about the feed pile and the guy thinking it was manure. Like, how much more basic can you get than saying, no, that's food, not most people now don't get a agriculture education past what you learn in first and second grade. Yeah. Like cows make milk, chickens make eggs. Like after that, how much, how much opportunity do people really have to learn if we're not doing it ourselves? Well, and with less and less farms, we're more removed every generation from the farm. I mean, the number of people that grow up on farms that continue farming is, is going down. So they have a knowledge from when they grew up. And even sometimes that's not the best knowledge either, depending on how involved they were. But, you know, you, you've you got all these generations that haven't seen a farm. You know, maybe their grandparents lived on a farm, and even that's getting more uncommon now. So I heard a stat. The average American is seven generations off the farm. I mean, that, I mean, that's crazy for us because we're like zero or one, you know, but... Um, and and think and the other thing too is guys I had the opportunity a couple of years ago one of my uh, son's teachers asked like career day kind of thing and I took the drone in and I had some videos and some pictures and everything and and I think that's where it's got to start right you kind of start with first second third graders and hopefully that they take something home to their parents and then when you're at the ball diamond or whatever and and you know your your kids parents are there and you start talking about stuff and you know and those kinds of things happen and it for us we live in farming communities so it's a little different but i mean i was just in chicago like i said before and by the way I hate a lot of farms down there right? hate yeah. driving downtown chicago i swear i got honked at four times within a block and then there, there was nowhere i could go you, you got a parking kenosha ride the train in oh my god <laughs> uh, change your life <laughs> You never have to drive there. Yeah, Just don't a, go to Chicago. That's a terrible, <laughs> terrible also, town. Also a good plan. Yeah. Did you go? Did you go to Crawls while you were there? No, we went to the the tower, which was cool, by the way. See, well, what's it called? No, yeah, it's not Willis, the Sears Tower. Yeah, Willis, yeah, so Willis Tower. They actually have like glass now protruding. Oh yeah, out, that's and crazy. You can stand and look down. No, yep. Did yeah. you do it? I did. Yeah. Did you cry? No, it was fun. It was cool, but there were legitimate like the guy in front of me, his girlfriend 
like stood in the back and he was all by himself and we're like what's going on he's like yeah she's petrified i know uh the the last time i went the week before it cracked there's like a glass layer on top of the glass like like a screen protector pretty much and that cracked oh yeah that would freak you hysteria yeah i bet they like they shut it down for like two days you're 103 floors up you know you're kind of nowhere to go if you're out there oh yeah sorry sidetrack there guys (laughs) Um, no, but like you said, educating people, whether it's you going, talking to your kid's class. I have a, a client that they'll give a tour to anybody, really. Um, yeah. You know, you, you just got to get open up your farm, let your neighbors in, especially like the people that live close to you, that help them understand what's going on. But also, you know, school groups, whatever, bring them in, show them your operation, show them what you're doing. And that's the best thing you can do for them is in, educate them on what you're doing. Otherwise, if you don't do that. They rely on the internet and all these other places where it's either not factual or skewed because of, you know, bias. On, Hold the phone. The part. Yes, the internet is the biased. Internet. I'm not Hold sure the if you've, phone. If you've ever been on the internet. Um, <laughs> Wikipedia is not if, true. If you go on AOL um, and, you know, you you click on, click on the AOL yeah. icon <laughs> uh, and then you hear... <laughs> sounds like a fax machine, uh, which is also a piece of technology that we used to use to send paper copies to other people through a phone line. Because uh, that's pretty much uncommon now, too. Figure that one out. We <laughs> sent the paper through a phone line. Did we send the paper, actually? The, ex- the same paper came out the other end? Or? Yep, exa- it looked exactly the same. Wow. I mean, it had a little bit of a kind of a fuzz to it, but, you know, it was, it was pretty I'm good. I'm actually not old enough to have used a fax machine, and this is it, they kind of blow my mind. <laughs> Like I know they're old and out of date, but like I never actually use one. They kind of impress me. Uh, but yeah, you know that's the technology is so so much better than what we had growing up with AOL and fax machines, where all you have to do is whip out your phone and oh. okay Google or hey Siri, and you've got information now. Siri and Go- okay Google don't you know give you the best information. They just give you the top searches or you know whatever pops up first so it's not not like they're they're out there to educate you it's just putting that information in your hand you have to decide what to do with it so and we do have farms that we work with i have two of them that uh one has kind of a party in august every year and and gets do they talk about gmos at that or not no it's more just an open house yeah um show view the farm they get a band i think and um he always grows like five acres of sweet corn so he's got sweet corn there and obviously beer and other things but and then uh, the farm in brown county that does the sunset on the farm you know obviously we have the breakfast on the farm every year but you know i know it's a pain for the farms to you know do all the work to clean and get the farm ready and they probably don't want to do it leading up to the days and then when it's over they see the benefit to getting those kids out there and those families out there to to see what's happening because what less than one percent of population is farmers now. Yeah, it, it's it, it's not many out there anymore. And um, I think the other important thing when talking about educating people is not to make it up if you don't know the answer. Yeah, uh, you know if you're if you're not sure, just tell them, hey, I'll look into it, or encourage them to look into it and talk to other people in the egg industry, not um, people that are outside the industry who think they know what's going on. And and just find that um, it's make sure finding the right information, honest and authentic, and yeah. telling them, yeah, I don't know, and and even just telling them that we use GMOs. I don't know that many farmers are out there just saying, well, yeah, I, I use GMOs, and here's why, 
and that that's the perfect start. And the other side of the story, guys, too, is is looking at it from the farmer's side of of using those GMOs smartly too, as well, and not abusing them so that you know we can't. Uh, last week at the pest management meeting, Brian Jensen from UW talked about rotating um, uh, genes and your BT genes to make sure that you know we don't get corn borer resistance and that we should be should be watching for that too. So that's something to think about. I know it's hard when you're buying seed because you like a certain variety, but um, you know if you've had a couple three years of the same corn on the same field, maybe it is time to look at um, a different a different gene too, not just a different variety, but a different gene. Yeah, I think the the positives with GMOs are um, a big benefit to farmers, like we kind of mentioned earlier. Um, but there's user benefits too to all this. Um, it's it's not a a perfect business by any means, but nothing is perfect. We may want it to be and demand it to be these days, but. It just isn't, you know, it's not, we have to do some, some things the way we have to do. Um, so in the end, when you're talking to your neighbors, like we said, don't talk about negatively about other things like organic or um, GMO free. Talk positively about why you farm and why you chose GMOs. If you don't know why you picked GMOs, maybe you should look into it a little bit too and, and ask your agronomist or your nutritionist like, hey, why are we do, using these, these varieties? Like what's really the reasoning here? Um, focus on positives of what you do. Educate people. Most want to know what's going on. They they just want to know what's happening. Um, don't make stuff up. Don't be negative. Explain what you do, why you do it. Otherwise, they're going to rely on other sources, and it's just not um, a good way for people to learn about things relying totally on the Internet. So, all right. I think that's a good wrap-up for that part of the the talk. So let's move into our next segment. All right, spotlight for today is uh, update on manure application recommendations out of Minnesota. So what do we got here? from the Minnesota Farm Guide by Peter Sharp. And it's um, basically, as all universities continue to do research on nitrogen recs and uh, manure recs and all that, and the, the gist of it is they upped their maximum nitrogen application on corn following soybeans from a 140 um, units up, adjusted up to a 150. And on um, corn on corn, they also adjusted that up. I just got to find it here. And um, basically what's neat is they're just doing research, trying to figure out, you know, as the universities always do, um, what what are good MRTN rates and where we got to need, where we need to be and what kind of nitrogen use we need to do. Um, and kind of looking at how that changes over time and with different varieties and different things like that. Um, and yeah, to finish up the corn on corn went from 180 units and moved that up to 195. So in Wisconsin, our current recs are a 190 um, corn on corn and a, that 140 on corn on beans. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what other states around it have for research and how they move those. Um, and I think in general, most of the Midwest states are all kind of around that same number um, and, and that. But just we we did one plot this year that I know of with MRTN. Um, right, Max? Yep. yep yeah. We did. Well, and, that I was directly involved in. Yeah, yes. right. And, you know, just looking at that that different nitrogen rate. And it is neat if, if any farm has a chance to do that. Um, it is cool to see how much 
we can grow how much corn we can grow with zero nitrogen and then how much it does even benefit just to put 100 pounds on and then to watch that kind of nitrogen curve out in the field is is really neat so that's some new research out um from university of minnesota yeah i I was just glancing at that article that you sent and um melissa wilson is the extension manure specialist over there in minnesota i actually had the opportunity to see your talk down in iowa earlier this summer and um, she's doing some interesting research. They're looking at a lot of different stuff, um, applying manure on crop in season, so side dressing manure and stuff. So yeah, they're they're doing a lot of um, good work out there, even though they are gophers. So <laughs> gophers, yeah. gopher on a stick. That you know, that's the key, though, guys. I think the way this is going is side dressing. I had two farms interested, in it, and we're going to do that this summer, but we had such a crappy summer, yeah. and it just didn't happen. So. Um, that's, you know, and even like, uh, we're in some of these watershed groups and Matt, maybe with your, um, farmer network too, you're talking about, um, how can you get manure out more linearly? Can't say that very well, but just instead of always thinking about spring and fall, you know, let's, let's, you know, now we're all stressed because the manure can't get out now because it's frozen. Well, if we would have got 5 million out in crop, we'd be sitting back. Farmers wouldn't be sitting back, but (laughs) They'd have less stressful nights. No, those in-season applications, I think, are um, a good way to for farms to relieve some of that pressure of, uh, especially this spring where hardly anybody got anything out, and now this fall has been a bear too. Um, just having that opportunity is, is a big deal for farms. All right, let's move into our egg history minute. Listen to the lovely banjos as we stroll on down the river be a cold stroll today yeah she's a little bit chilly but it's it's getting warmer sledding sledding down down the river i don't know if the i would walk on the river across it but yeah maybe maybe a sled that that'll float would be a good idea uh so today we've been talking about farms and uh the gmo talk we talked a little bit about you know education about farming kind of lacking because we're so far removed so why is that well i'll from in the decade of 1990 to 99, farmers made up less than 10% of the rural population, um, but rural areas were experiencing growth. And so I think we've seen a lot with subdivisions and stuff opening up in in old farm fields and more people moving to the country. And Guilty as charged. <laughs> and I think that's been a good and bad thing because you get uh, people who aren't used to farming living next to farms and start complaining because the smell and all that other stuff. I was smart enough to build on the west side of the farm. There's a guy that built on the east side of the farm. He probably it's, isn't very happy with himself a whiff of it right all now. The time. Yeah. Especially yesterday when they were hauling. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie. When we came home from vacation and I could smell like manure, I, I was home. Like, yeah. that, like that I knew I was back, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and for me, cow manure, I don't mind. It's the uh, pig manure and some other manures oh, yeah. that, that really, really bother me. But that's... In the end, I, I'm also not living next to a pig farm, and I probably wouldn't build next to a pig farm because that's a personal preference. But uh, So then we get to 1998, number of farms in the U.S., 2.19 million. Average acres were about 435 acres per farm. And here we are sitting in 2019, but last year, as we don't have current numbers for this year, and the census is next year, so maybe we'll get some even more detailed numbers after that. But the average age of a farmer right now in the last year or so, 58.3 years old. So 
I feel like that's come down a little bit, like a number I had heard, you know, obviously not substantiated, but like in that 62, 64 range. So yeah, that then, probably means there's younger people getting in, right? Yep. Um, and I have actually met several first-generation farmers in the last year or two here where they either didn't actually grow up on a farm and but wanted to farm or um, were one or two generations removed and wanted to get back into it, so... Um, and they're approximately 1% of the population is farmers. So 2.05 million farms, roughly. So um, the last couple of years, we've lost quite a few farms. But, you know, we're still still hanging around that, that 2 million mark for the number of farms across the U.S. Well, and with that average age, too, I mean, yeah, we lost them. But how much is that just retired? Ha- yeah, yeah, it would happen anyway. Yep. So it's sad to see that because there sure are young people that went out, too because it, it didn't work out for them. But at the same time, I'm sure there was some that that um, it was time to retire as well. So, yeah, that's our Ag History Minute for today. Todd, what do you got to say about NAICC? Yeah, if you like what you're hearing today, please be sure to contact your independent crop consultant. Uh, Tilt Agronomy is a independent crop consultant group based in Wisconsin, And if you're not located in Wisconsin and you want to learn more about your local crop consultant, please visit NAICC, the National Alliance of Independent Crop Consultants, NAICC.org, and you will be able to find one in your area. All right. Thanks, Todd. And while you're at it, let's introduce your uh, new segment. Our new segment is trying to um, talk about some cool things that happened and some maybe not as cool things that happened in the past and it is cool beans. 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 Or that's corny. And so the cool beans for this week is um, just a cool thing that came across. The was Terry Bradshaw selling his ranch. Oh, cool beans. Cool beans. It is currently not listed as a price, but it was listed in 2016 at 10.8 million. And um, basically, Terry Bradshaw said he doesn't have time to ranch anymore, and he must have started the ranch from scratch, um, which is kind of neat, I guess. So um, I didn't realize Terry Bradshaw was that into farming. Is mostly, obviously, a horse, um, quarter horse ranch. And so that that's kind of a neat thing if anyone wants to look at it. And the That's Corny for this week, um, That's Corny is Dean Foods Files Bankruptcy. They blame low fluid milk consumption um, for their bankruptcy. Well, I think Walmart going into their own milk production too has hurt them because they were a big provider for them too. Yeah, when when I I think they've had problems for a long time, Dean Foods, and a lot of people saw this coming. Um, it's unfortunate because I could see both things that Dean Foods did not do a good job of. I mean, think of think of how the drink market has changed in the last ten years. And what like a company like Fairlife did with milk specifically, and and um, I, I'm just not sure Dean Foods kept up with that. And we went went to the gas station last night with my son, and I'm like, hey, you want to get something, you know, something to drink? And um, there was what you go in a, a normal gas station, Quick Trip or whatever, and there's probably what ten doors, you know, oh, ten cases, now. yeah, and like it's all. Water, like the the flavored water, obviously the the monster kind of drinks, soda, whatever, whatever, you know, and like half a case is, is half of milk. those a door thing, you know, a case is milk, 
you know, and, and you wonder if, if they would market it in a different way, like Fairlife is doing, or, you know, can you add milk to a monster or something like that? To, just to, caffeinate milk or do yeah. something different. That well, we those, those GMOs and that milk are going to kill you, and then, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, but the, all the caffeine in that monster is great for you. That's yeah. corny. I, uh, Kemp's milk, um, and I don't necessarily think that all their flavors are fantastic, but they're trying. They have a new flavored milk, a seasonal flavor. What is it? Well, even Quick Trip's got rippier milk and some of those yeah. other sure. stuff sometimes. Like, like uh, my roommate's favorite is the Kemp's banana milk. Banana. Nanner milk. <laughs> Nanner milk. So sure. that's pretty Is good. it called Nanner milk or not? No, nah, it's, ba- cool. it's banana milk. Okay. But they, and they all have like a Christmassy flavor, you know? Eggnog type of thing. Yeah, yeah. kind of. Yeah, but they, I mean, they try. Yeah. They're at least trying something. They're not just like, oh man, people don't want to drink milk no, anymore. Nobody's we'll eating. And, and they kind of, Dean Foods blame part. I mean, I don't know if they specifically, but part of the articles say that the consumption of cereal is way down. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah everybody's obviously out that's, the door, right? Yeah. I mean, yep. So that's a part of it too, and I, I don't know what ways you find to promote that, but that doesn't just affect Dean Foods; that affects Kellogg's and General Mills then as well. So yeah, they've been trying. I mean, not Dean specifically, but the whole chocolate milk is a recovery drink for athletics. Yeah. That push has been going on for a few years here, and um, so I mean, there's there's different avenues of of putting that out there. So all right, cool beans. That's corny. All right, now we're gonna move into. You applied what? What did you do? So today we've got some products. I think. Uh, All right. Yeah, I looked them up this week. Yeah. I got four products. So what? What are they? Or what are we looking for here, Todd? They're insecticides. Um, I'll leave it at that. A pyrethroid-based lambda star, python lambda, tigris lambda, and silencer. Lambda, lambda, lambda. Yeah. Mary Bunch. had a little lambda. Yeah. Well, I know silencer is a. Yeah, that was an easy one. That's an easy one. That's the gimme. I was going to put, yeah, Warrior or some of those other, or uh, Mustang Max, too. But That's my personal favorite. Mustang Max is Yeah, it has my name in it. So so. one of these lambdas (laughs) is... There's two X's, though. (laughs) I'm not going to comment on how how it works. I'm just going to say it has my name in it. One of these Power Max is not a lambda. One of these lambdas is not like the others. Yeah, there you go. Round of Power Max. Would you say one of them is the Black Sheep? Bam! Bam! All right, what do you guys think? Well, I know Lambda Star is, yep. is one because I've recommended that. Or that one's, um, yeah, LG's brand, which is cool. So, yeah. P- Python Lambda seems like a, you know, get those insects. Going with Max's theory of. But, but of Tigris? Tigris. That's, I actually had a cat named Tigris once when I was a kid. I'm going to go with Tigris. So I think Tigris is wrong. Tigris is right. Um, and that's a company that has their own in their Tigris Lambda. And Python isn't. And a Python Lambda is a function that behaves normal in regard to other arguments. It's some sort of, I yeah, it's basically a it's computer re- nerd term. It's related to the Pythagorean Something theorem? like that, probably. I have no idea. Should have known so, that. So, yeah, it just kind of fit well in there. We're, we're like batting pretty low on these. these some of the, it, the like here. we said, the names of some of these, you could really trick somebody into Oh, yeah, into and that's why it's important to know what you apply. What you apply. Always read and follow label directions. All right, and last thing for today, we're going to go out to our field reporter, Max, who we got today? Outstanding in our field segment. All right, for Outstanding in our field this week, we are going to Vedum, Wisconsin. We are going to talk to our local expert, Vernal Schnitzel. 
That, you heard that right, Vernal Schnitzel. Uh, he is. Well, you know what? I, I think I'll just introduce. Should I get him you guys on the phone? Him. Yeah, let's dial him up. Hello, Vernal. How's it going today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm, I'm very good. I'm, I'm really glad I get to talk to you this week. Thanks for calling, Max. So, uh, w- what's going on in in uh, Vidum, Wisconsin, right now? Well, on the farm, we have mostly cranberries, but we do do some alfalfa as well. And uh, right now, we're trying to harvest clouses out in the field. Oh, you guys have class class choppers? Uh, no, my my cousin Klaus is driving the chopper. It's a crone. Oh, <laughs> you would think Klaus would be in a class, but crone. Okay, I get it. Uh, so I, I was reading a pretty interesting article this week about uh, some kind of air cannon that you guys put on the edge of your bogs for cranberries. Is, can you explain that to me? Yeah, the hail ca- cannon is, uh, so we shoot it up in the air, and it is supposed to stop the hail from killing our crops. Does uh, it work? It, it's very loud. Uh, anecdotally, I can say yes, but uh, so far, it's working. Does it keep the geese away, Bernal? Uh, yeah, it scares pretty much anything. Uh, make you crap your pants if you didn't know if it's coming. <laughs> uh, it's very loud. I, I can uh, I can say that I do drive through cranberry country every once in a while, and when it's going off, it does scare me. So, Did you see Vernal's cannon? Yeah, I, I actually met Vernal. Um, the reason we got it in, in connection was I met him at the Cranberry Festival this fall. Oh, he naturally. Was, he was selling some cranberry butters and wines. He was having a great Ooh. time. How what are that? your wines, Vernal? Uh, we have the cranberry vine, and uh, we mix it with other things. We have chocolate cranberry, uh, cranberry schnitzel. Uh, it's my favorite one. It's named after my family. And, uh, yeah, we do lots of uh, very nice things with the cranberries. Uh, we sell to Ocean Spray. They are a marketer. So, yeah, it's very good. We have uh, very successful cranberry crops most years. Verno, where did you get your first name? Where did that come from? Well, because um, you're growing cranberries, but Vernal is, you know, a little bit different. We, we grow some alfalfa. Oh, oh Klaus, right. We grow the, the alfalfa. I, I was born near the equinox, so I think it's a combination of things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks, Vernal. We really appreciate your participation this week. Yes, yeah, thank you. Thanks, Vernal. All right. Good luck with the rest of your hay harvest, and uh, have a good winter. Yeah, thank you. Just some... Interesting people out there in the world doing oh, yeah. doing the crapping. Love so. Vernal. He's yeah. al- he always uh, always performs. Yeah, it seems like a great guy. It's crazy who you find, Max. Keep running oh, into yeah, those, Max, those where, uh, where you find these guys. People. Outstanding in their field. That's great. Outstanding in their field. That's where you, you can always find them. Just pick a field. There's someone there. All right. Well, that does it for today. So today we talked about having the GMO talk and uh, staying on point, being positive about your message, and not getting too negative about other things we looked at manure recommendations and how things are changing a little bit over in minnesota talked about the number of farms left in the u.s heard some cool beans about terry bradshaw and the opportunity to have your own ranch in oklahoma and unfortunately dean foods was kind of corny and their bankruptcy filing we're hoping things turn around there because farms need a place to go with their milk we talked about some pyrethroid chemicals and you applied what and met vernal schnitzel out in the field so thanks for being here today guys thanks matt thanks Thanks, Matt. matt and as always happy farming